You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, fire, immolation, complex and complicated relationships, War, Apocalypse, Interpersonal Tension, Guns as Weaponry, and References to Environmental Collapse. Arc 1, Episode 7 A Challenge Bold From Self-Eulogy of a Martyr by Connie Chong Queen Hylian Mylesia knows three things to be true. One, the fate of Siren Song rests upon her shoulders and hers alone. Two, should her mask slip, all would be lost. And three, the emissary from Changsin Surge is very, very persistent. The Honorable Scribe Nam Wangcho is a waifish, willowy person in silk robes like the Queen, though the color and cut of their garment is distinct. Their sleeves are broad and billowing, as well as the hem of the robe itself. The silk is dyed a deep, breathtaking blue, the same blue as the bottom of the sky. Golden embroidery on their shoulders and back depicts leaves tossing in a violent storm. They wear a partially translucent, wide-brimmed horsehair hat with a bamboo frame and a cylindrical crown. Mylesia leads Wuncho through the royal courtyards under the spindly shade of a golden larch. Wung Cho takes in the grounds with bright interest, stopping frequently to examine a soul shank vine here, a fish flitting under a bridge there. Showing the honorable scribe around is a little bit like herding bobcats. But that's okay. The queen is used to accomplishing the impossible task. After all, she raised Armorgen. As the queen and the emissary stroll through these beautiful gardens, Mylesia inclines her stately head in Wung Cho's direction. Her voice is a restrained boom of thunder, and it does not sound anxious or stressed or fearful or guilty at all, even though all of those things are true, even though the missive threatening war from Raya sits heavy in the back of her mind. And Queen Hylian says, Honorable scribe Nam Wung Cho, I trust that the palace has been to your liking so far. Ah, yes, your imperial highness. I must apologize for pulling you away from your daily duties. I would have been satisfied with a tour from one of the palace's many capable attendants, I assure you. <laughs> Nonsense, Nam. What kind of a leader would I be if I didn't give you a tour myself? I insist 
upon visiting the stables next. The Surge may have the fastest sky wings, but ours are twice as hardy. And as the queen and the scribe exchange words, there is a sense of casualness to this conversation, but there is also an edge of intensity, especially on the queen's side. She is being friendly, yes, accommodating for sure even to the emissary from Chongxin Surge, but her pleasantries are almost too pleasant. As persistent as they are, Mylesia needs Wong Cho to have a good experience in Siren Song. She cannot afford to provide them with anything less than a stellar stay. The scribe goes on to say, uh, Ah, yes, I must ask, do you know how the tournament's coming along? These blasted root quakes and gales have made communication with Chongxin's contingent and Raya quite difficult. The last I heard from them was, well, weeks ago, right before the young prince made ground, or air, I suppose. Though as far as pertinent news goes, we emissaries are often the last to know, docked as we are in unfamiliar harbors. Does your imperial highness happen to know more? A pause from the queen. For a fraction of a second, her perfect mask slips. And then she smiles and responds with a lie so immaculate that Wung Cho has no idea it's a mistruth at all. And she says, Unfortunately, not. Even myself as queen am not spared from the delay in communications that these calamities have been causing. The last I heard from Raya, all three heirs had arrived and were preparing for the first competition. Oh, excellent. Well, I think this tournament is a wonderful idea. You know, between you and me, I'm eager for these tensions to resolve. <sighs> you and me both, honorable scribe. Now about those stables. But as the queen turns, pain shoots through her body. This pain is indescribable. It is burning and seething like every nerve is rebelling against staying alive. Mylesia gasps, her vision blurs, she staggers, and the scribe, alarmed, catches her. They are saying something quickly and urgently and anxiously to her, but she can't hear their voice. All she can hear is the fire, the crackling, roaring blue fire that screams ruin. Gasping, groaning, Mylesia pulls herself upward and forward, using every ounce of willpower to stay conscious, to stay cogent enough to approach the front gates, the source of this calamity. A contingent of wild sailors breaks away from their work to support her, their voices joining Boon Cho's in concern, anxiety, fear. But the queen doesn't hear any of them. She only hears the fire. Mylesia stumbles into view of the gate, which is ablaze. The people of the royal palace are gasping. They are covering their mouths. They are pointing. Some are even screaming. As for the queen, she has gone to the calm place. This is a place she knows well, an impenetrable fortress within her own mind, where suffering has no meaning and there is only focus. And then the fire is gone. The pain vanishes. 
The queen staggers, the world returns to her, the wild sailors catch her. She is drenched in sweat, her breath is shuddering, her hands are quivering. She writes herself, thanks the sailors, smooths down her silk robe. And through the burnt out gaps in the wall, the queen sees them. Narrowing her eyes, Mylesia approaches. Sayer, Lumira, Zynan. Queen Hylian Mylesia is now leading your party through the sprawling palatial complex of Siren's Song. You pass intricate courtyards, verdant gardens, bubbling silver streams, and magnificent buildings. You see temples, grand halls, royal residences, libraries, canteens, training grounds. The soul shank branches are everywhere, some even surging from the ground like roots, their hardy bark mottled with moss and floral blooms and the sweet, sweet scent of Kreserin. The royal palace of Siren's Song is, in a single word, alive. There are also people here. Palatial workers stroll the grounds, consulting texts, chatting amongst peers, or tending to the vegetation around them. There are attendants, yes, of course, and laborers, but there isn't a sense of hierarchy of any kind. You see folk in fine silks, milt in garden beds alongside folk in simple cotton. There is a rowdy group of wild sailors sitting with finely manicured scholars, laughing and poring over the same books together. You get the sense that the people who are here are here by active choice. Not because they have to be here or because they even climbed socially or economically to get here. Rather, the palace denizens here are stewards of the grounds themselves who tend to the Solshank and assist the queen with day-to-day -day duties of leading a reach. You also see, as you're strolling past a garden, a mound of what appears to be mossy stones. But you notice that one very large boulder in this mound forms a body of sorts, with these two crimson spheres forming a set of eyes. And these four rocky legs protrude from this central mass, which at this point you figure is indeed alive, and not just a pile of inanimate grassy stone. And the gentle pink light shedding from its eyes, as well as the moving, Yes, the moving pile of stones are the only signs that this entity is awake. <laughs> and as you're traveling through this palace, you see this creature moving at a, a surprisingly brisk pace behind a group of chattering scholars. And this creature kind of gallops with a pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter of stone feet, making a kind of low grating noise that kind of sounds like rocks clacking together in a canteen. <laughs> and the scholars turn around. They see this creature and they exclaim in a warm kind of friendliness and familiarity. They, they recognize it and they bend down and they start petting it like it's a cat, and they offer it these colorful handfuls of gleaming pebbles. And this creature takes these pebbles, though exactly how it takes them um, is rather mysterious and you're not quite sure, uh, but it does seem to be as satisfied as a pile of rocks can be. And as this queen leads your group toward her sanctuary, we now pull in on Zynan. Zynan. Sing is striding beside you, her head held high, her pink eyes focused on the path ahead. 
However, you do notice that her brow is knotted. Her gaze appears dark, distracted. And an image of her kind of shocked, shattered look coming out of Artemis's office plays across your mind's eye. What do you do? You, uh, you're with us? He, uh, has been walking pretty tall, being on royal grounds. He knows how to operate in spheres like this, even though this is, well, it's well beyond the farm, shall we say. But he walks apace with her, having rolled this same image around and around and around. And this time, he isn't one for casual contact very often, but he just kind of, like, lightly nudges her in the side. Sing almost flinches a little, like she was kind of lost maybe in her own thoughts. As soon as you nudge her, that like darkness doesn't vanish, but she tries to squish it down. At this point, I wouldn't say you know her super, super well, like your best buds or anything, but you know her well enough to know that she's bottling something up. Oh, Zynan, uh, yeah, yes, I'm fine. I'm, what was that? Yeah, that's what I thought. Listen, whatever the, uh, hand put in your head you got to keep that and your head in the game at the same time sing flinches inward withdraws when you mention artemis like a little bit like someone punched her in the solar plexus and she she caves a little bit you've never seen her make herself smaller before but she does for a brief fraction of a second in this moment and then she smiles like it's a stray streak of light attempting its best to escape a storm cloud, but she doesn't quite succeed. I... It's just... I... Listen, what I said out in the hallway to everyone is true. I should be less flippant. I think of my destiny and a bit more considerate of other people's feelings, but if I am to be honest, I... Zynan, have you ever felt just... responsible? You know? Like, not just for yourself, not even just for your brother, but for everything. Everything. Capital E. Everything. Like, you have to be perfect. You have to be the one. The one. Capital O-1. And and what if you're not? Sing. Uh, Sing. Only she is in charge of everything. You can't lift the whole of time and space on your shoulders. You're not a precept. I... But I was made by her hand. Wasn't I? I... But you still sing. You gotta be here. Here. I think you're one heck of an agent. (laughs) And, uh... Don't get lost in all that other stuff. (laughs) And this time when Sing laughs, the light does burst through. The storm begins to dissipate in earnest, the clouds peeling away from her face. And she kind of straightens up a little bit, stops hunching inward, rises to meet you in your eyes. Thank you. I, <laughs> I think I really needed to hear that. That's, it's nothing. You're, you're going to do great on this mission. I just know it. (laughs) I hope so. But I do feel better with you on our team. I mean, there's no, like, technical leader for any of the strike teams, but you are the most experienced, and I just... Thanks for looking out for us. You know? For all of us. 
for being, you know, I guess the responsible one. We all look out for each other, and uh, I'm just happy to be alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. And Sting kind of leans in and nudges you with her horns a bit, like bonks you playfully on the side of the head, nudges your hat a bit. Hey, uh, you can talk to me anytime. <laughs> Thanks, old man. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> and Sting kind of strides off with a definite more of a genuine pep in her step. And as she goes off, right, like her white mane of hair billowing in the breeze, a couple of uh, cherry blossom petals fluttering her wake. Zainan, there's a moment as you look after her about what she said to you, her compliment to you, her reliance on you. You're the responsible one. Thank you, Zainan. You are the one she's relying on. And in your head, you just hear Naeem's voice echoing in it. Those last few lines from the letter you opened a little too late, rattling around in your brain. I just need to talk to you in person. It's important, Zai. The Queen's Sanctuary, like many areas of the palace, is a Yuan, an open-air courtyard surrounded by buildings on all four sides with sloped, tiled roofs of glazed ceramic. A gate stands in front of the courtyard, circular and mossy, with soul shank branches twined around its mantle. These branches hang low with these soft, pink, succulent-looking peaches. Queen Hylian steps through the gate, her chin held high, fingers clasped in the billowing sleeves of her robe. She leads your party to the center of the sanctuary, where a a Yulan magnolia tree towers from a garden bed of rich, dark soil. The courtyard itself is vast, dozens of feet wide, with tables and benches of stone scattered all throughout the perimeter. And at this point, the queen turns and faces your party. And a gentle breeze rustles through this courtyard, kind of making the slick, dark leaves of the magnolia tree whisper against each other, causing its half-bloomed buds to waver in the wind. And in their current state, these buds are kind of curled in and dark pink, their shape actually resembling little birds with their wings tucked in. And Queen Hylian Mylesia now addresses your party. Her words are not inflammatory or hostile. They are wary, of course, as wary as one can be of a group that burned down her front gate. And it is, you know, a touch exhausted, but mostly her words are curious. Now that we have some privacy, would you care to explain what exactly you're doing with the missing princess of Araya? Your Majesty. Uh, and Zainan steps forward and respectfully removes his hat, uh, his hair lightly just picking up in the breeze. We are only incidentally with Princess Abbasi. Incidentally. My apologies. We walked up on her. Ran into her in the market. At this, Abbasi steps forward, and something in her stance, all of you notice, is very different from what you're used to. Uh, the kind of blunt, callous edge is gone, and it's replaced with something 
elevated, something tall and regal and stately even, in a way that rivals how the queen holds herself. And it's kind of like Abbasi's putting on a mask, but not a very difficult one for her. It is a mask that is as easy and familiar to Abbasi as breathing. And Abbasi says, Queen Hylian Mylesia, if I may speak for myself as said missing princess, I came here in search of your daughter to demand proper answers about why Hylian Amrigen not only missed the tournament, but informed no one of her absence, thus spitting in the face of what the event stood for in the first place, a much needed strengthening of the three major reaches currently fraught siblinghood, a demonstration of truce. <sighs> so you thought coming here without telling your kingdom or parents was the correct next move? I admit my actions were impulsive and perhaps a touch tunneled, but I was, I am, doing what I thought was best not just for myself, not just to rectify a personal slight, but for my reach, for my people. It is no secret that my parents are eager for war, Queen Hylian. A war that none of us can afford, especially not right now when the Wild Sea is weak. I could not have reasoned with them. The tournament was compromise enough. What do you mean? The tournament was Raya's idea, was it not? The tournament was my idea, your highness. My parents wanted war. They still want war. I convinced them of the tournament instead. I told them, let the other reaches prove we can still broker peace. Let the Surge send their scion. Let Siren's song send their scion so we can make merry and remember why we are stronger together than at each other's throats. A knowing, contrite look comes across the queen's face. She tightens her jaw. And then my daughter did not show. And then your daughter did not show. Even if I were home right now, I could not stop the pushing tides of war because of her absence. In fact, my being missing is probably helping to delay a formal declaration of conflict, as my parents likely suspect you've kidnapped me, which would give you Leverage. Yes, leverage. But imagine my surprise when I learned the people of Siren's Song were under the impression that their scion was in Raya, that their queen was lying to them. Queen, please, where is Amergen? And why are you hiding the truth from everyone? The queen examines this young, brash, justice-minded air in front of her. She examines all of you, her eyes seeming to peer into your heart of hearts with the same clarity as the soul shanks. And then she raises her chin. What I am about to tell the five of you must not be repeated outside of my sanctuary. 
It is a matter not just of Siren Song's livelihood, but the livelihood of the entire Wild Sea. <sighs> My daughter, Princess Hylian Amergen, is missing, and I don't know where she is. Those dark eyes of the Queen's rest upon each of you individually with the gravity of this news, of this revelation. She looks at you, Zynan, at Lumira, at Seir, at Sing, at Abasi. And then something sparks in her eyes, something fierce, untamed, powerful. But before I tell you anything more, you must prove to me you are strong enough to take what I have to say and act upon it. At that, Abasi lets out a kind of uh, guttering, appraising laugh. <laughs> uh, your Highness, these four are competent, believe me. And besides, do you really mean to challenge the strength of the scion of body? You know what I'm capable of. What do you need from me? Is this to Abasi or to the queen? This is to the queen. She wants it. What do you need from me personally? The queen cocks an eyebrow, looks at you, Lumira, and that kind of strong spark in her eye seems to grow in prominence and luminosity. <laughs> I don't deny that upon first blush, you four do seem strong, but I need to be assured of your competence. That is what I need from you. Princess Abasi Zahar, I do know that you are the Wild Sea's best sky warrior. I am aware of your exploits, and they are many, I will give you that. But you, my dear, and the rest of you, have never fought me. Pardon? I don't think we're looking to fight you, your majesty. If the five of you working together can draw even a single drop of blood from my body, then I will tell you everything you want to know. You will have one minute to prove your strength. Ten seconds for the each of you. That's only fair. Princess Zahar, Seir, Sing, Lumira, Zainan, and of course, the talking seed pod. Begin. And the ground explodes. So, uh, roots emerge from the cracked flagstone tile of the earth all around you. Thorny roots that explode upward and ripple with these sharp knife-like thorns protruding from their body. And Abasi immediately lets out a bah! and she like kind of flaps her feathered gauntlets. And even though one of them is still slightly broken, it gives her just enough lift to avoid the major uh, punch upward of these roots. And Sing as well kind of dodges out of the way immediately and reflexively. But I need all of you immediately to make a defense roll. So let me know 
how you're kind of getting out of the way of these roots. And to our audience, this is our first time doing a formal combat with the Wild Sea RPG, which is, of course, a D6 dice pool system. Basically, the more dice you roll, the better you are at something, and the way you do something determines the kinds of dice you get to add to your pool. And we're looking for those sixes. A single six in a dice pool means that it is a triumph or a success. Uh, anywhere from, I believe, uh, three, uh, five or four is a conflict, which means you succeed, but there's a cost of some kind, there's a twist of some kind. A three, two, or a one is a disaster. Uh, you do not succeed. And if anything comes up double, doesn't matter what the original result is, whether you get a triumph, a conflict, or a disaster, if anything comes up double in the pool, then that's an added twist, which I basically get to decide what like added little thing happens. So these defense rolls, let's start with Sayer. How are you trying to avoid this threat of the punching thorny branches? Unlike the rest of his strike team, Sayer does not flinch from the challenge of a queen. She is a leader made flesh. I am the son of fate. And Sayer squats low as these burstings of tile all around him and he pulls out his crescent blades, affixes them low into the ground to anchor himself as he hunkers low, being buffeted by the force around him. He will not be moved. And I would like to request an iron and brace, and if I could, use with the use of my weapon, roll with an advantage. That makes sense to me. Go for it. So how many dice is in that pool? That is 4d6 total, because I have two in brace. I'm going to cut one for just the, like, ferocity of the vines coming out. There's so many of them all at once, and they come out of nowhere. All of you are kind of caught by surprise, so I'm going to cut at least one for each of you. Fantastic. So I'll cut the five, uh, which means my total is four. A four. Okay, that's still a conflict. That's not bad. You succeed with a cost. So you do brace. I think we see the earth pummel upward around you, almost in slow motion, these flagstones coming up, these clods of dirt. And then I think a big thorny root punches up right next to your face and like slashes you like with this thorn. It starts to like gouge you along the side. So I need you to mark one uh, instead of much more than one if you had failed. Right. So what track are you marking? I'm marking my barrel-chested trait. I might not be built fancy, but I sure am built sturdy. Yeah, you barely even feel it, right? It's like a little paper cut grazing against your side as boosh, this branch punches upward. What about you, Lumira? Yeah, so I'm going to use iron and brace. Okay. But if I may, I'm gonna cut your cut with empty the mind. Okay. Which allows me to ignore cut from any type of pain, hallucinations, or distractions while trying to act. Any kind of hallucinations or distractions. You know what, I'll have this count. I'll have this count. Your empty the mind means you are always very composed and calm. So even when this comes by surprise, it doesn't like knock you off your game. You're like immediately clocked in. So roll that pool. How many dice are you going for? Uh, let's see, that is, that'll be three. Okay, go for it. Please don't screw me. Ooh, that is a six and two fives. That is a triumph with a twist. What does it look like as you just completely tank this? I think as Lumira, she sees everything almost weirdly focus in tunnel vision and things start to move slow a bit for her. 
as she just sees everything happening in the distance and as the waves start coming to her, she kind of calculates and just backflips out of the way of the thorn that's on her way. Mm. It's kind of like, for you, time moves slow. You see the ground crack, you see the dirt begin to rise, you see these thrashing vines come out of the earth, and you just kind of calmly backstep, back, 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 and you're out of the way of danger. I think the extra twist you get is that you get to act first after Zynan makes his defense roll. You like have the initiative here, you have the advantage of the battlefield. So Zynan, how are you defending yourself from this? Zynan's always a little on edge. I don't think he exists ever, even at trans, without an ear to some sort of ground. And so I would like to use teeth and sense to kind of let loose on that natural instinct and jump. Go for it. I'm going to cut one still from the surprise. Absolutely. How many dice are you rolling? Three. Oh, that cut hurts me. It's okay. I lose a six, but it's a five. Okay. Okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. We're good. We're good. We got this. Okay, Uh, yeah, so what does it look like as you're trying to tunnel and dodge or just stay your ground or weather this? I think he hears the vines shift underneath, but can't quite clock the direction of them so that when they burst out, they just kind of blindside him a little bit and he goes to dive out of the way and might hit the ground a little bit harder than he anticipated given that the ground is moving. Exactly. You dive out of the way of like the punching thorny roots, but you do hit like a moving, rocketing, cracked earth, and you're going to have to uh, mark one because of that. So which uh, track are you marking? Uh, Tough as nails. Makes sense. Yep. (laughs) Your resilient track. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, As you kind of tunnel and tumble off to the side, and Sayir, I think at this point, is beginning to get surrounded by these punching thorns and roots. They're all punching out of the ground vertically out, like, around you, almost starting to form a cage around you. Almost like Mylesia, you get the sense she's controlling these vines, right? She knows you're probably one of the bigger threats and is trying to cage you in already. But before we act on you, I'm going to pan over to Lumira. What do you do as everything continues to move in slow motion to you and you start to see the play of the battleground splay out before you. Lumira's eyes dead set on the queen. It is once again that tunnel vision, target locked. She is watching every movement that she makes, how she counteracts her body weight, how she, what, what side she favors most, what, you know, like what's her, her stronger side, what's her weaker side? How does she, how does she react to certain stimuli that's coming around her? That way, while she may take a step, Lumira will be two steps ahead. Mm, are you trying to take like a full moment here, like an yeah. action to observe Li- her? Quite so literally. you can get, okay. Quite literally. So that's either gonna be sharps or instincts, I think for your edge. Does that feel fair to you? We can do sharps. I'll prefer sharps. Okay, sharps make sense. Yeah. And either study, I would say, or sense for a skill. Study probably would make a a bit of sense. Okay, and are you using any kind of tool to give you an advantage or just looking at her? I'm just looking at her. My mind is tool enough. Go for it. Roll sharps and study. How many dice is that? That's three. And that, ooh. This is gonna turn on me in the end. That's a six, a four, and a two. You got a six, a four, and a two? Yeah, I got a six. 
That's good. That's a triumph. Okay, yeah. So Lumira standing there. I think you're you're slightly moving, if I may, to like just dodge out of the way of debris, but really calmly, right? Almost like you just kind of rock to the left and a rock flies by. You kind of tilt to the right and a thorn flies by, and you're looking at Queen Mylesia. And what you see, first of all, is a bossy. Abasi is diving. She is dive bombing out of the air, like toward the queen, like a like an arrow, right? With feathers fluttering, and she's letting out a yeah. Don't you underestimate the best sky warrior in the Raya? Nay, the entire Wild Sea. And she's like punching down like a comet. What you see from Queen Mylesia? Perfect calm. She does not seem concerned that this extremely muscular young woman is coming at her at 120 miles an hour. She just kind of stands there in front of this magnolia tree with her fingers clasped in the hem of her sleeves. She looks up, kind of cocks her head to the side, and then you see her do something very interesting indeed. The economy of her movement is 100% efficient. There is not a single wasted molecule of energy in how the queen spends it. It's almost like she's a machine. As she just kind of sees, you see in her eyes that she's almost like calculating the trajectory of Abasi's movement before Abasi herself is aware of it. And you see the queen kind of like turn on a perfect 90 degree angle, kind of just pivot her hip. And at the last moment before Abasi hits the ground, Abasi lets out a huh, tricked you and kind of swivels like on the ground to like kick her hands, uh, feet up almost in like a capiora move, like a big of like both of her legs. But the queen, she moves like a fraction of a second before Abasi even does. Like she can almost, this is impossible, like see into the future or know what Abasi is about to do before she does it. The queen bends backward, almost like kind of matrix style, just whoosh. 90 degrees down and the legs go scything above her. And because Abasi's legs don't connect to a solid force that she was expecting, she kind of over-calculates uh, and kind of goes spilling off to the side with like, with that extra momentum, right? And the queen just lets out a, a strong, but still rather hubris-filled young pinwolf pup. Uh, and now her back is turned to all of you, Lumira, and that's when you see Sing charging through the oscillating ground and the punching thorny vines and the branches. She has drawn her longsword and there is focus in her face. Uh, her pink eyes are completely focused on the queen on that opening of her back. And there is not arrogance in Singh's movements. There's not overconfidence. There is an expression on her face you've seen her wear an expression that has never cost her a battle. Whenever she has that face on, she has always won. And that's the face this thing has on right now. It's complete focus. She's not talking even, she's not cheering, she's just going for it. And she draws up instantly behind the queen and slashes her longsword upward, trying to score a hit from the bottom of her hip all the way to the top of her shoulder. But just like with a boss, the queen moves a fraction of a second before the hit lands, not too early so that Singh has the reaction time to adjust and not too late to get hit. That perfect like millisecond of a, uh, of a second. And the queen just kind of steps forward and the slash goes wide. Uh, and at the same time as a slash going wide, uh, we see an explosion of pollen uh, from a nearby thorny root that just plumes in this big purple cloud as things starts coughing a little bit going oh, oh god right as like this like sparkly purple goes and distracts her and lumira based on that triumph you see all of that in perfect clarity you get the sense that the queen has some kind of like 
ability or preternatural sense for knowing what people are going to do before maybe they're even aware themselves that they're going to do it. That's what you get with a triumph. You also get with a triumph a full awareness of how much time has elapsed. You hear a ticking clock in your head, right? This entire time you've been hearing kind of in the back of your head like a kind of like your own subconscious counting down the time that there's remaining, and you know that 20 seconds have elapsed. 40 left. Sayer or Zayden, what do y'all do? Sayer kind of like notices, I'm still surrounded, aren't I? I'm surrounded by things right now, is that correct? Yeah, there are like a, kind of like a cage of vines are beginning to punch out and trap you in like a bird cage. We can't have that. What I would like to do as Sayer is um, get through these vines before they cage me entirely. I want to square up to the queen. Okay. To specifically do the thing that Sayer has been trained to do, and that's reading his opponent. To dodge, weave, defend, take whatever hit I need to take so I can understand her game and be that bulwark. To me, that sounds like to get out of the cage, like a kind of mm -hmm. force edge, like a like an intense, direct, violent edge. I, I'm gonna say uh, teeth. Makes sense. Yep. Passion, destruction. Yep. Yep. Teeth and hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Because I'm trying to hunt Hylian's whole thing. Go for it, Lumira. If Lumira shouts advice to Sayer, I'll let that add advantage. Absolutely. As soon as she realizes that she immediately lets y'all to know. She seems to be one step ahead. Double team her. Heard. Pursuit. And he's going to punch through and dart straight for the queen. And I will roll 3d6. Go for it. All right. Uh, do I have to cut? Mm, because you asked. <laughs> I have to ask. I, I have to uh, you ask. You know what? You know what? Connie giveth and Connie taketh. I'm gonna have you cut one uh, okay. for as Lumira, you speak this out loud, the queen's ear almost twitches in your direction. She turns and looks and her eyes drill on both you, Sayer, and you, Lumira, and a kind of like impressed and appraising smile comes across her mouth. Like she's happy you caught on to that, right? Happy that you're figuring this out. She, she likes it, but she does say, ha, very good. Let's see if you can deliver on that. You know, the two of you are the only ones who can read their opponent. And Sayer, I think those words are laced with a kind of intimidation that coupled with all these vines now starting to punch out of the ground to interrupt your way to her is going to add a layer of difficulty. Okay, uh, so with a cut, I cut the five. I have two fours left. So that is... Two fours? with a twist. <gasps> That is a conflict with a twist. Uh, so you, a success with a drawback. I think you are able to uh, force her on the back foot a little bit, but I don't know if you draw blood yet. So mm -hmm. how do you start like punching forward with violence? Sayer bursts out of the vines, bit, bits of it flying all around him as he yells out his affirmation to Lumira's instruction. And he just tunnels right towards the queen and I think he just takes every hit. He is just guarding, 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 and he's just testing. Every time that he is attacking the queen, he's not fully uh, putting his whole power, he's testing her. Just like how he knows mm. he can be tested. And he tests and he tests and he bobs and he weaves yes. and he tests. 
Are your blades drawn, or is it just your yeah. fists? Yes. Uh, his blades are drawn, but he's okay. using the but he's using the hilt because he's testing her. Yeah. Yeah, as you're punching forward, 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 the queen does start moving backward. It's the first time she's moved since the beginning of the combat. She kind of retreats past the magnolia tree, and I think these petals and leaves are drifting downward as the two of you are, like, parrying each other. And instead of, like, parrying with her hands or anything like that, it's the, the vines that punch out of the ground to parry you, right? As you jab forward, a vine comes up and blocks it, right? You either shatter through the vine or your your fist bounces backward. She steps back, 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 back. Uh, her hands now clasped behind her back, her head held high, looking at you, that smile growing. As you jab, 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 she she speaks to you, Sayer, in a, in a volume that all of you can hear. She says, So much storm bottled up in such a small vessel. You have so much anger in you, don't you? Watch your mouth. And you, you as well, so much precision cutting like a surgical knife. But watch the direction you thrust your blade in. Someone innocent might get hurt. And she's not just addressing Sayer, she's addressing you too, Lumira. Lumira goes silent. Yeah, you kind of feel in this moment, and Zynan too, as you're picking yourself up from the ground, you feel that she's kind of imbued with the same kind of Arconautical, magical intuition that the soul shank finds are. She is connected to the soul shank branches. The soul shank branches are connected to her. Maybe that's even why she's able to read your movements. She can see your intentions, even the ones you're not aware of consciously. Sayer grunts in response to the queen's assertion. And then his eyes start back to Lumira. And there's a flash of something there. But then he pushes back, kind of like channeling that anger, that pain and disappointment right back at the queen. Are you starting to not just test her anymore, but like actually go for it? Yep, I am. I am. Excellent. And now the branches actually burst under the force of your jabs. They actually explode. And I think Kreserin starts spraying everywhere, this amber sap, right? That splashes onto the ground and onto you. But the queen doesn't flinch, right? You get the sense that these vines were built for protection, so they don't deal her pain or anything like that. But she does, that smile does grow, right? As the Kreserin splashes between the two of you. And she says, good, good. Sayer, you are going to have to fight like you mean it if you wish to score blood. And he'll just keep grunting and he'll say, as you wish, your majesty, and he'll keep pummeling. Yeah. And I think at this point, we sweep across the battlefield to find Zidon. The pollen cloud from Sing is roughly nearby, and some of it drifts off in the breeze to cover you a little, uh, almost like a cloud of purple dust swirling past you as you start to pick yourself up from the ground. It's been a day of dust already. And this time, this is dust that he can crawl out of. And so we just see through this cloud, a hand reach up, write a hat, and then a dark shadow as Zynan rises out, the rifle already tucked under his arm, and he takes a knee, and as the beautiful pollen blows past him, he just takes a nice, deep breath and sees Seir 
just laying into this queen as she steps back and back and back. And Zynan knows how to lead his prey. And he aims the rifle at her next step and fires. Oh, okay. That's definitely going to be a roll there, my darling. Uh, So... (laughs) How can I assist? How can I assist? Well, given that you already said, you already said that she can sense it. Guess what? Can she sense a bullet? That's interesting. (laughs) That's very interesting. So are you, I'll let you add an advantage from your gun and from Lumira's call out, right? Slash like all the things you're picking up now. I am also going to cut one based on the dust that's floating past you, though you're you're struggling past it. I think something about it still jostles at the very recent vision that was dredged up from the depths of your consciousness at the wall of social cards. Like something about that is resonating and maybe still like clouding you, distracting you a bit. So I'm gonna cut one from that. Roll, I would say the edge is either grace probably or instinct or maybe teeth. What do you think? I'm gonna say grace. Definitely grace. Makes sense. You're being dexterous here. You're like trying to aim it. Okay. And skill? We're hunting today. Yeah, makes sense. How many dice Uh, is that total? With Lumira's help and the gun, it is five. Five. Okay, I'm cutting one. So that's 4d6. These cuts are killing me, but you know what, Connie? I cannot be killed today. It is a six anyways. I got a pair of sixes. What? And a pair of twos. That's still a (laughs) twist. That's a twist. Y'all are doing really well. So that is a complete success with a twist. You shoot. The bullet punches out of the barrel of the gun and starts going toward Mylesia. And all of you notice that she senses it. She senses the bullet coming before it does. But as intuitive as she is, she can't move faster than a bullet. So Mylesia like throws a a hand up actually and starts to move at the same time. A like we see in slow motion as the bullets whizzling past the bark of the magnolia tree. We see another brute punch upward trying to like shield her, but it like punches upward a little too slow. The bullet goes past it and then it goes up like just a fraction of a second after. And Mylesia's moving at the same time as well. She starts to move backward. So the bullet I think would have caught her maybe um, square through the shoulder, but instead it just grazes it. Right, it grazes her right shoulder. And then like the bullet punches into the ground with a kind of like a flat uh, explosion noise. There's a moment of silence as Mylesia turns, right? That, that vine that came up to shield her, I think crumpling back down. She looks in Zynan's direction as you're still holding the rifle with a literal smoking point of the barrel. She cocks her head to the side and she says, ha, so close and yet, oh. And she looks down and we see a thin trail of blood coming down from her robe. Like just just the slightest bit. It's like barely more than a paper cut, but there is at least a single drop of blood on her right shoulder from the bullet wound from Zynan. (laughs) Very well. And all of the roots fade back into the ground. You know, the flagstone clicks itself back into place like puzzle pieces, you know, like the breeze that was whipping up a fury starts dying down. The last of the pollen vanishes. Abasi picks herself up groaning from the ground and the queen turns to face all of you. That very impressed, confident smile now fully on her face for all of you to see. 
<laughs> well, I haven't fought like that in many years. You bring me back. All of you have done very well. I am not even necessarily surprised. It feels as though the roots of fate connect us. Very well. I am nothing if not a woman of my word. And Mylesia nods and gestures at the base of the tree, where all of you now see folding upward little seats made of entwined twigs and branches and leaves for all of you to rest your legs, if you would like. Lumera will sit down and cross her legs. Zidon finally takes his seat and puts the butt of his rifle on the ground and starts to, like, reload it while all the, like, normal royal conversations are going on. Sayer sheaths his crescent blades onto his back and uh, walks over to Sing, uh, if Sing mm -hmm. is still coughing or not, and just kind of like yeah. gives her once over and uh, walk together towards a seat together. Yeah, Sing comes with you, she sheaths her blade. She's not coughing anymore, but she does sneeze once kind of loudly. Like, and like the last bit of pollen goes like a achoo! Ooh, as she shakes her head and the flowers rustle in her hair. Sayer pulls out a like, typical brother pulls out a handkerchief and just hands it to her. <laughs> yeah, wordlessly she takes it, blows her nose, right? Just kind of flutters it and it's gone. We don't have to know where it goes, right? And Sing follows you and sits down, I think, between you, Sayer, and Lumira, with Zainan on one end of this bench area. And Abasi also takes a seat at the other end of this row of seats. And now Mylesia strides forward and she kind of like touches this like it's it's a very shallow wound she touches this shallow wound on her shoulder and we see it like close up in a kind of line of flowering blooms right we see little leaves splay out little twigs and roots just like go over it and then they vanish and the wound is gone though the blood stain on the robe remains and as she stops in front of all of you she lets out this kind of deep long-suffering sigh that sounds like the leaves of an ancient oak that bears all the burdens of a single forest rustling together. And the queen kind of looks off into the distance above your heads, her eyes darkening with worry. <sighs> the full truth as promised. Three weeks prior, my daughter did indeed board a ship to embark upon the sojourn from Siren Song to the Raya. She boarded her ship to be exact. Heartseeker, one of the finest vessels of our royal wild sailor crew. A ship she has sailed since the day she came of age. We stayed in contact over the course of the journey with Skywing missives when we could. I received a message from her in the middle of that week, halfway through her journey. My daughter informed me that weather conditions were clear and that they and their crew were on track to reach the Raya as planned. That was the last missive I've received from her since. Abasi, at the end of these seats, looks stunned at the news, and then she also begins to look worried. Uh, your Highness, what did the search parties find? The Queen doesn't respond to that, and Abasi kind of gops at Mylesia. You've sent search parties, yes? T 
to look for your missing daughter? It is not so simple as search parties, Princess Zahar. We are on the precipice of war. The Wild Sea roils with conflict, and not only does my daughter's disappearance make my reach weak to the Raya and to the Surge, but I also worry... I worry that this was by Amergen's design. Shouldn't you worry about your daughter? Amergen's design? The Queen's eyes burn against Zynan's for a half second before flicking to you, Sayer. Yes. My daughter has always been headstrong, eager to prove herself, eager to seize her destiny. We have disagreed about how ready she is to assume the full duties of the Scion of Heart. This journey to Raya would have been the first time Amergen has ever set foot outside of Siren's song. I was reluctant to accept the tournament invitation in the first place because I feared what my daughter would do without proper guidance. And I fear that is what is happening now. There is a non-zero chance that Amergen has gone off on her own. I want you to think back to times prior, before she left. What was her behavior like? Did she mention anything off chance? Did she keep a diary? Did you search her room? The diary she would have brought with her on Heartseeker. And before she left, nothing out of the ordinary. And Lumira, you can try to roll to see if the queen has been completely forthright with you with yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, yeah. if there's anything I know is that mothers with rose-tinted glasses uh, will ignore a <laughs> lot. So maybe there's something that just happened to pop up that she just kind of brushed off, but in retrospect sure. is something important. Uh, I'll say uh, the edge is either instinct or sharps for this. Sharps, I'm always, I'm always okay. going to use you're sharps. Like analyzing her face? Yes. Yeah. What's the skill you're trying to bring in? Mm, sense, probably. Makes sense. So yeah, not, a, not, a, not a hefty roll, but that's a five. Okay, a conflict. Uh, su- success with a drawback. So I'll, I'll give you a, a glimpse of what it truly is, but I think what that means is as you're studying her intensely, the queen will notice. <laughs> will notice that you're like looking at her and analyzing her, and then it'll be care. a lot harder to read her face after that point. Okay. Looking at her, she's not being forthright because there is more to the story and there is guilt as well. That's the first thing you read, a lot of guilt on her face. Yeah, something happened. Something maybe kind of big happened before Amergen left. But the big thing isn't like, um, like she, she stole something or like did something like blah, 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 blah. It, it feels personal. It feels deeply personal, whatever it is was. And you get the sense that maybe there was like some kind of mother-daughter argument that occurred, like some kind of personal blow up before Amergen left. And the queen is kind of reluctant to just be really open about all the personal nitty gritty mother-daughter stuff with a bunch of strangers. You know, like that's the one thing she's kind of reluctant to say. She'll give you the information to help find her, but not necessarily information about like exactly their dynamic. Or rather she's reluctant to part with that information. You'd have to be careful about the way you try to get it from her. Gotcha. 
Queen Hylian, you don't have to get into details about what specifically happened between you and your daughter, but know that any information that you can spare would be helpful. I... Okay, truth be told, my daughter and I had one of our many disagreements before she set sail. I was trying to warn her to be careful, to be as safe as she could be, to not take too many risks. This would be her first time out of Siren Song, out of my protection, out of the reach of my ability to shield her from everything that the Wild Sea contains. And she, well, she was very eager for freedom, I think. And I think there was a bit of a, I regret the way we sent each other off. Armagen hit strong enough to um, risk jeopardizing political tensions. The queen and Abasi respond simultaneously. The queen says, yes. And Abasi says, yeah. Hmm. Right. My single bloom of hope rests in the fact that I can feel my daughter out there. I don't know where, but I know she still lives. I can hear her heart beating within the leaves on the wind but it does little to quell my ties of worry. A kidnapping feels unlikely, given that there has been no ransom demand. But there are worse things out there on the Wild Sea than pirates. I worry that one of those worse things may have found her. I worry that she has gone off on her own and will make a grave mistake. But I cannot just abandon all other responsibilities right now, show my every weakness to the world, and put all of Siren's song, all of the Wild Sea, in danger. It's very wise of you. By any means necessary. That I understand. We'll do it. So, where does that leave us? Abasi stands up from her seat, right? She's clenching her hands into fists by her side, and her jaw is working very hard. Exactly. Where does that leave us, Queen? I don't... How could you... How could you not know which of the two it is at the very least, whether she's gone off on her own or is in mortal danger? It's been weeks, and you, as Queen, have been... What? Entertaining random emissaries doing nothing? You could have tried Skywing Scouts, Princess. sent a navy vessel, Princess. offered a bounty. Listen, hired a discreet wild sailor crew. Princess, please. The Queen raises a hand as the two of you step in to calm Abasi, and she kind of nods obligingly, like she did not unforesee Abasi's anger. She kind of nods, raises the hand, and just says, Princess Zahar, I understand your frustration, but please believe I have sent Skywing Scouts already. My Royal Navy is stretched thin as is with the calamities. A bounty would be much too obvious, and no wild sailor crew has been able to draw blood from my body as you have. As for entertaining random emissaries, that is the honorable scribe of Johnson Surge, who must be kept ignorant and happy at all costs, lest they report both of our reach's fragilities to the Surge and give our neighbor to the south the highest hand of all. Again, I understand your frustrations, but I do know how to lead my own reach, Princess Abasi, and I have been doing so for many decades. Or are you trying to imply that I don't care about my daughter? 
Abasi bites her lip. She casts her gaze downward, slightly ashamed. And the queen takes a deep breath. And when she releases, those hard edges soften on her face just a touch. I cannot express how much pain my daughter's disappearance has been causing me. I wish things could be different. Every night since her missives stopped, I have stood on the docks and considered taking a skiff for myself. But these are the responsibilities that my headstrong daughter does not yet understand. I must lead my reach. I must guide the people of Siren Song. I must protect the heart of the Verdancy. I cannot abandon my people. Not even for my daughter. As much as I want to. You said the heart? Yes. The heart of the Verdancy. It is the sacred duty of my ancestral line, the scions of soul and heart, to guard the very core of the Wild Sea itself. Do you know what is made of this core? What it consists of? That knowledge is sacred. Forgive me. There is nothing to be forgiven. I cannot divulge the details. Well, I thank you for what information you did give. All of it will be useful. If you'd like, we can take a look. I, I can respect your resilience, Your Majesty. Give us the tools. Let us go be your eyes. Find your daughter. Bring her home. We are quite capable. You said so yourself. <laughs> a missing daughter is easier to find than a ransomed captive. The queen takes in a deep breath, raises her head, and looks at you all with a, a slightly shaky smile, but the foundation of who she is is solid. <laughs> and here I was, about to ask you all the very same. As you all know, I need a discreet, trustworthy, and competent wild sailor crew to look for my daughter along the route where she went missing. I can give you the maps, I can give you all the information that I have that you might require for this task. The four of you have proven yourselves trustworthy. The Soul Shanks admitted your entrance, and more than that, I have a gut feeling that you really are here to help. As for discretion, well, that area could use some improvement. And at that, her eyes linger a little bit on Seer. Not accusatorily, but just like, you know, kind of like a parent might. Uh, but she goes on to say, But there are members of your company who seem invested in keeping your party in check. And at that, her eyes flick to Zynan, kind of gratefully. Finally, as for the matter of competency, as you all have demonstrated, you have proven your strength to me. If you really are here to help not only Siren Song, but the Wild Sea itself, then of course I would be very grateful to show you to your ship. This episode was sponsored in part by Die Hard Dice. 
If you're looking to add some gorgeous dice to your collection, check out Die Hard Dice. They have iconic metal dice, enchanting polymer dice, plus velvet dice trays, portable scrolls, and dice bags. Die Hard Dice is on a mission to be the shopkeep every hero looks forward to seeing, providing premium products that bring infectious delight to every table. They are driven by their customers' stories of adventure and daring, and they are so passionate about making dice and accessories that will help you elevate your gaming experience and keep telling stories in your own unique way. Use the code CHAOS at checkout for 10% off any purchase at DieHardDice.com. This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Charles, Cora Eckert, Brooke Bright, River, Chiacres, Lex Slater, Scruffesis, Hat, Alex, Mark J, Lyle and Peanut, Spencer, Brooke in Seattle, Aria, Derek Davidson, and Phil. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!